0: We're, we're going to read uh, scripture, but I'd just kind of like to introduce to you guys uh, Christopher Sills and his wife, Carol, are here with us today. If you were here in the first hour, you were able to hear him uh, speak to us a little bit about uh, forgiveness. Um, he just completed a, his Ph.D. in biblical counseling, so it's doctor for, Dr. Christopher Sills now. So make sure you call him doctor when you talk to him. I'm just kidding. He'd probably be terrified by that. Um, but uh, we're really uh, fortunate to have them with us. They have been uh, in Ecuador for, for many years as missionaries there and uh, have been leading a church and uh, putting uh, local pastors in place as they've, as they've done that and just investing their life in, in that country and community. Uh, and so some of us have had uh, the opportunity to go down and serve with them and just see what they do, and it's, it's amazing uh, stuff. So, if you get a chance to to speak with them, please do and encourage them. Um, let's just stand for the reading of scripture. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty five through thirty two. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we remember for we remember.s one of another be angry do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he might have something to share with anyone in need let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth but only such that is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Be Please be seated.
1: Good morning. It's good to be here with you. Thank you for the opportunity to, to preach this morning. Uh, it's always a blessing for us to be able to uh, gather together with God's people wherever we may be. And so I'm, I'm happy that God has allowed us to be able to come here to Texarkana and to be able to, to, be, to be with y'all. And uh, I was able to say this in the 930 hour, but I want to say it again now. Thank you so much uh, for continuing to care for our family through prayer and through giving. And we, we so appreciate the partnership in gospel ministry, knowing that we couldn't be there doing what we do without uh, the support of people here in the States. And um, so we are so thankful and thankful to be here with you. We just read from Ephesians chapter 4. And I love the book of Ephesians. I was talking to some folks last night about how useful this book is for us as believers, and how good and rich and just so incredibly full, full it is of God's truth. Um, in August, we came back uh, for our stateside assignment. Middle of August, we got back to the United States, and uh, Carol's parents received us, and uh, so we went downstairs. They took the kids to the cars, and Carol and I went to go get all our luggage and meet them down there at the uh, the exit. And while we're standing there waiting for them to come with the cars, we hear this woman uh, in the same area, and she is screaming. At this man who, I don't know if it was her boyfriend or her husband, but she is just screaming at him, and she's berating him, and and I mean, this went on and on and on, and so you, and we could just, we couldn't hear everything that was being said, but clearly something wasn't right, and he had done wrong somewhere along the way, and she was letting him know about it, and so they were kind of near us, and then they kind of moved a little bit further to where we didn't hear them as clearly, but this went on for about 15, 20 minutes, and she was screaming the entire time. And I I, I deduced pretty quickly that she was angry. She seemed to be angry about something, and she was giving full vent to that anger in that moment. And, you know, I don't think that she would claim to be a believer. I don't think she would claim to be a follower of Jesus. But I think we have even seen people who claim to be believers act in similar kinds of ways at times, where they are angry and they are just speaking, hatefully spewing out this anger with their words. I don't know if y'all have seen that, but sometimes that, that just happens even in the life of a believer. And even in the context of the church, there uh, is a a church that we know about. And one of the pastors talked about when he was new there, uh, he walked out of his office into the hallway and there are other people on staff just screaming and swearing at each other right there in the hallway. So we know that that kind of anger and that kind of vitriol and that kind of uh, response is not just for unbelievers. That's just a result of sin. And as believers, especially believers living in the context of other believers in the church, in the local church, we need to be about speaking truth to one another and and helping one another and coming alongside one another and walking with others in the midst of difficult times and sinful responses. And I think we can often see sin in our own hearts as well. Maybe when our kids spill something, and even though we know it's just an accident, maybe our uh, response is, anger, why did you do this? It's inconvenient to me. Or maybe somebody cuts us off in traffic, and our response is, anger, why did you do that? Why did you have to do that? And uh, so that is, a, that is something that we can see in our own personal lives, even though maybe we don't get to the extreme as this lady at the airport? But I do think we can all see that we have sinful heart responses to our situations, and we need to hear truth. We need to speak truth, and we need to hear truth and speak truth to one another. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Before we dig in, I'd like us to pray and ask for God's blessing, and then we'll get down to to what we're going to study this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for your kindness to us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, we confess to you, again, afresh that we are sinful people. And so, Father, we are so thankful for your love displayed and sending your only Son to die for us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the life that we can have in him, the forgiveness of sins. We thank you that you continue to work in us, to produce in us godliness and holiness. Help us to be more like our Savior, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So this this letter of Ephesians, I think this letter helps us as we think about speaking truth and as we think about speaking truth in the context specifically of the church and speaking truth to one another. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, to these believers there, to the Ephesians, and he's imprisoned at the time and he is uh, not... Free to roam about. He's not free to go where he would. And so he's writing them this letter. And he is seeking to encourage them in their faith and their walk with the Lord. And he's seeking to give them instructions. Now, Ephesus was a place that was uh, in the very much a pagan world. There's a lot of people in that time who were practicing magic and the occult and, and things like that. And so, obviously, the, the surrounding culture of that area is going to have some influence on people's lives. In the same way, when we're in Ecuador, we see that the country is largely Catholic and that even people who are converted out of that, they come to faith in, in Jesus, they leave the Catholic Church, many times there's some carryover. And the practices, right, and the way that they think about God, the way they think about church, the way they think about the Bible, and and all of that, there's some of that carryover. And in the same way that that happens today in Ecuador in the Catholic context, that was happening in Ephesus in their context where people around them were worshiping uh, uh, false gods. They were practicing, seeking to practice magic in the darkest sense. And so they need truth. They need encouragement They need to see what it means to live as believers in the midst of a world like this. And so Paul is writing to them, seeking to encourage their hearts with the truth of the gospel. What is it that we believe? What is it that sets us apart as Christians uh, from the rest of this pagan world? And how can we live as believers in a way that is distinct, in a way that's set apart and separate from the world? So he uses language, not Uh, only in in the book of Ephesians, but in several other of his writings, using this kind of language of put off and put on, put away these bad things, take off this old self, your former self, your former passions, desires, uh, the, the way that you once lived, live that way no more, and instead, put on the righteousness of Christ. Put on holiness. Seek to live in a way that would please the Lord, and that is what He's communicating here. Uh, and as we come to Ephesians four, we see that He is giving some uh, some specifics on how we are to live as believers, uh, and and how it is that we can, in the context of the church, in the context of this fallen world, how can we choose to live in a way that would honor and glorify Jesus? This morning, the thing that I would like for us to focus in on, there's so much just in these few verses that we could really pull apart and we could really look at different things uh, here, but I would like for us to think about speaking truth, speaking truth to one another uh, and, and how that looks today. And I think the the main point for us this morning that we can take away is that we are believers must speak truth to ourselves, we speak truth to one another, and we must do so in the context of the church. We do it in love. So we speak truth. And I'd like to divide this into two parts, really. And we're going to focus in on speaking truth to ourselves and then speaking truth to others one another. Speaking truth to myself, me as a person, a follower of Jesus, a believer. I need to be speaking truth to myself, but I also need to be speaking truth to my brothers and sisters in Christ. So if we take the first part, we're speaking truth. I need to speak truth to myself. I need to be preaching to myself. We all have some kind of internal dialogue. Some of us do it out loud. And others do it in the silence of their thoughts. We all have this kind of, we're thinking maybe what we need to do during the day. Or we're just thinking uh, about life and what we need to be doing or what we think about something. And so we have this internal dialogue. Sadly, left on our own, our thoughts tend to become sinful in nature. Our thoughts tend to uh, think about self think about myself, what I want, what I desire, and I begin to believe certain things. I begin to, to think certain things about the world, about others, about myself, and then I begin to believe those things. And uh, the enemy is very astute. He is aware of this. So we, you know, in our, in our own thinking uh, and in our own indwelling sin— and our sinful nature, our thoughts will take us to can take us to dark places, right? We can look at someone and immediately begin comparing, judging, tearing down uh, this person who I see. Maybe I don't say it out loud, but my thoughts betray me, right? They they show exactly what I'm thinking, what I'm believing about myself being superior and this person being inferior. Very rarely do people look at others and see them as uh, superior and themselves as inferior. Most of the most of the time, it's the other way around. I'm looking at others and I'm tearing them down with my thoughts, or uh, I'm justifying in my mind the things that I want, the things that I that I know go against what God's word teaches, what God wants for me. But it's what I want. It's what my flesh wants. And so I'm justifying those things. I'm, I'm thinking about how I can get away with it. I'm thinking about how it's appropriate for me, but maybe not for these people. Um, and so our thoughts can take us to, to dark places. And so we need to be speaking truth to ourselves. Um, we tell ourselves very often that our anger, for example, this woman at the airport, no doubt she was pretty convinced that she was right. She was right about something, and she was not only right about it, but she was right to express it the way that she did. Otherwise, she probably wouldn't have been screaming at the airport at this man. But just like make it more close to home. Let's think about in our, in our home, maybe with our children, and we get upset or frustrated at their disobedience or at whatever it is that they're doing. Maybe they're doing something that we find to be a little annoying or frustrating, and so we lash out, we speak harshly, we command, we uh, seek to subjugate them in some way, and and our heart is not for their good. In that moment, our heart is for my own comfort, my own pleasure. But I'm able to justify that in some way. I'm able to to somehow justify that they need to obey whatever I say, so I'm going to lash out at them. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not being unkind. I'm just exerting uh, authority that I have. And so it's so easy to justify uh, ourselves and what we're doing. And we recognize, you know, when we get angry, just, just continuing on with this particular example, not all anger is sin, right? But a self-centered anger is, is sin. There's things that we should be rightly angry about as people of God. When we see sin, when we see injustice, when we see abuse, when we see these things, we should be angry. We should be angry about the things that God is angry about, but sadly, very often we're not angry about those same things. We're we're angry about the things that go against our creature comforts, what we want for ourselves. And so, what is the answer? If this is how we are, if this is very often what happens, left to ourselves and our own thoughts, leading us to justify sinful actions, sinning and then justifying those sins, what is the response? What should we do? What's the answer? And in part, we need to talk back to ourselves. I don't know if your mama ever said, don't talk back to me. I don't know if you ever grew up hearing that, but, uh, that's exactly what we need to do to ourselves. We need to talk back to ourselves, but not with our own words. We need to talk back to ourselves with the truth of Scripture. We need to preach to ourselves. We need to come at my own... I need to come at my own thoughts with what God's Word says and not what my own opinion is. Speaking truth is, is part of the answer uh, for my own life. In Psalm 42... Verse 5, the psalmist says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? So he's asking himself this question. He's talking to himself. And then he says, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He's reminding himself of truth. He's speaking truth to himself. You're cast down. You're in despair. You're sad. Look to God. Remember your hope that is in him. In Lamentations, after 3, the, the, the writer is lamenting, and he is nearing despair and for, for uh, his situation. And then in verses 21 through 24, he says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. He is speaking truth to himself. That's what we need to be about. So we need to make sure that in the midst of our own thoughts that we are not just content to ramble on and continue to think in the ways that we want and the things that uh, align themselves with our will, but we, we need to be constantly evaluating based on what God's word teaches us, including hopes, but also maybe we need a rebuke. Maybe we need a rebuke. Maybe we need encouragement. Maybe we are despairing and we're sad and we're depressed and we are feeling hopeless. We need to be reminded of the promises of God. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that is a common refrain in our house to take our captive's thought and make them obedient to Christ. We're taking our thoughts captive and we are subjugating them. We are making them obedient what Jesus says, to who Jesus is. So when I'm angry, when I'm feeling frustrated, I take a moment, right? Oh, this is what I should do. I don't always do this. So it's not, I'm not uh, puffing my, seeking to puff myself up by example, but this is what we should be doing. We need to take a moment, consider what am I thinking right now? Is my thinking right? Am I correct? Am I justified really before the Lord? for my anger, for my frustration, for feeling this way, or not? And if not, then what truths of Scripture will help me to realign my heart to the Lord's, that will help me to seek to glorify God with my thoughts and my heart motives? In his book, Spiritual Depression, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote the following, which I think is very helpful for us consideration of speaking truth to ourselves. He wrote, you have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must turn on yourself, upbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope thou in God, instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, and what God is, and what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. These are things that I must remind myself of every day. Preach the gospel to yourself. Wake up and remember who you are apart from the grace of God in your life. I am a sinner. I am a rebel. I am an enemy of God apart from his grace working of grace in my life, in my heart, to grant me faith, to believe that Jesus is enough, that he came, he lived perfectly that I might live. He died so that I might live. We preach this message to ourselves so that our thoughts are right, so that our our actions then flow from a correct understanding of who we are before the Lord. That is both in our sin and in our in our Uh, sinful responses or actions, uh, but also in our trials in our sadness and things that we haven't necessarily, we haven't necessarily sinned, perhaps, but perhaps our, our thoughts are leading us to despair, doubting God's goodness, doubting his faithfulness and his promises. We need to be reminded, we need to preach what God is, who God is, what he's done, what he will do. So, that's the first thing, is is speaking truth to myself. I've got to take myself in hand. I've got to preach truth to myself. The other thing that I would have us focus on this morning is speaking truth to our neighbor, speaking truth to one another. And there's four guidelines. I was going to say rules, but they're not rules, exactly, in the sense of we have to be legalistic. But Four guidelines for us in in addressing things in other people's lives, whether that's children in your home, your teenager uh, who is, is struggling to obey, or uh, whether this is in your marriage, whether this is with your best friend, uh, another brother in the church. Four rules for speaking truth to one another. The first one: be honest. Be honest. We got to speak truth. In Ephesians four twenty-five, it says, "Therefore, having put away falsehood, let us let's eat, what, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor." So we're putting away falsehood. There's no deceit. We're going to be honest with one another. We're going to speak the truth. Sometimes when we get angry, when some people get angry, they explode and they just like uh, just like a volcano and just erupts and everything comes out and. Other times when people get angry, they get icy cold, and they clam up, and they be quiet. And some, you know, you may ask them, oh, is everything okay? Nope, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Well, clearly, you can tell from the tone of voice that not everything is fine. Uh, But they get icy cold, and they don't want to talk. But God's Word commands us to speak. But we're not just to speak. We have to speak truth. So being silent isn't an option. We can't just clam up and not say anything. Other people can't read our minds. We have to speak truth. And Psalm 15, 2, David says that we must speak truth with a heart of integrity. And in a heart that is right before the Lord. And a heart that seeks to honor the Lord, we must speak truth. That means we don't speak truth and half-truths. We don't speak in a way that seeks to deceive others. We're not seeking to be passive-aggressive in the way that we speak truth uh, or sarcastic where we're saying something that's true by saying, you know, saying something meaning the opposite of what we're actually saying. No, we must speak truth. We have to be honest, candid. Uh, And this is really a reflection of the attitude of our hearts. How is your heart before the Lord? Are you seeking to emulate Jesus and his life? Are you seeking to be like him? Are you seeking to honor the Lord with your speech? In Colossians 3, 9, Paul says, Do not lie to one another. We are to be honest with one another. Now, you have to be careful. We can be honest, and we can be honest in a way that really hurts. We really hurt others. Which, in God's providence, is why he's also given us instructions elsewhere in this same chapter, in Ephesians four fifteen, he says, rather speaking the truth in love. In love. We speak truth and love. So I need to correct my brother. Maybe my brother has erred. He has sinned against someone else. Maybe he's sinned against himself, sinned against the Lord, certainly. So I need to correct. But I can't just say it to him any, any way that I want. I've got to speak truth. Yes, I've got to speak the truth of God's word because he needs to hear that. But I've got to say it in love. That means I've got to have his good in mind when I'm speaking to him. Otherwise, it just comes across as hateful. So we speak truth in love. I, I know a brother who uh, he kind of has a reputation for saying hateful things that, but that are true, saying kind of True things in a hateful way, and then later, no, it's just the truth. I'm just saying the truth, or uh, something like uh, just we just have to get it all out there. It doesn't matter how it comes out. We don't. It doesn't matter. We'll clean it all up later. We just need to spew it all out, and we'll we'll fix it later. But those are not biblical truths. Those are not biblical ideas. We're not to just say whatever. However, we are supposed to speak the truth to one another in love. And if I cannot speak truth to my brother in love, I need to be quiet until I can do so in love. I need to guard my tongue. I need to put a watch over my mouth, as the psalmist says, so that I don't say something that I could later justify and say, I don't know, it was said uh, because it was true, but I need to be able to say that I said it in love for this brother and for his good. Paul says in Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. The words that we hear from others should be something savory, something we want more of, even if it's hard. Um, there was somebody talking about uh, how my mother-in-law uh, speaks. Her speech is very much like this, seasoned with uh, gracious, seasoned with salt, where they said, oh, she could tell you that you are the most terrible person in the world and you'd end up thanking her for the way that she says it. She just has this way about her that communicates hard things in a gracious way. That's what we're to be about. If we're having to communicate and speak truth, we do it in love. And the same way when someone is hurting and someone is struggling, and maybe they're not in sin, but they're struggling, they need to have an encouraging word. We don't just say, you just have to remember these things and get over it. That's not speaking the truth in love. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. So we're to come alongside them and walk with them through that. And yes, we speak God's promises to them. We remind them of who God is and what he's done. And we pray with them and we walk with them and hold their hand as they suffer and as they struggle. And we're patient. But we speak the truth in love. What truths do we speak? So we're supposed to speak. We're supposed to be honest. We've got to speak. We got to speak the truth in love, but what is it that we share? What are the truths that we speak? We we touched on this just a little bit ago with uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones' quote, but we need to talk about who God is. What is His character like? God is sovereign, right? He's in control of all things. He made this world. He supervises every aspect of what happens in this world. He is not surprised by suffering. He's not surprised by sin. And he is working all things out according to his perfect will. So God is sovereign. He's good. He's powerful. And he is wise. And if God is powerful and he's wise and he is in control, then we can rest in that. And we can trust him in the good and the bad. What does God do? We, we talk about what his word teaches, what he, what he does. He saves people. He promises His presence. He guides us. He convicts us of sin. He sanctifies us. He indwells us through His Spirit. So we are speaking these truths to one another. You're struggling. You feel alone. You feel like you don't have anybody with you. But God is with you. God indwells you by His Spirit. Be encouraged. Take heart that you are not alone. Moreover, we are with you. The body is with you. We are walking with you. So I think these are some of the truths that we need to be speaking. But who are we in Christ? People struggling with sin often find their identity in their sin rather than their identity in the person of Jesus. Who are you? You are a new creation you no longer you are free from the shackles that bound you to your sin now you may walk in in a way that honors and pleases the lord and sometimes when people are so steeped in sin it is difficult to remember that we are a new creation that my sin does not define me but that jesus defines me he is my identity as I am found in him. We are sanctified. We are washed clean. We are being changed slowly. And I think, too, our future. What is is our hope for the future? We are going to one day be glorified. He's called us. He's sanctifying us. And he will one day glorify us. And that time When we are glorified, there will be no more sin. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more seeking to justify my sinful responses and my sinful actions. My future is secure in Jesus. And that sustains us in dark times. It sustains us when we are seeking to be sanctified and come out of sin. He will receive us. We will be like him we will have eternal joy in his presence. So we've got to be honest. That's one of the guidelines. Another one, another of the four, the second of the four guidelines is we've got to keep current with one another. In verses 26 through 27, Paul says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So your brother offends you somebody offends you, somebody makes you angry, you've got to seek to make this right soon. Keep current. A failure to solve each day's problems, that day, as much as it depends on you, means that you are guilty of sin. If you have something against your brother, and you are not seeking to make it right with him as soon as possible, It means that you are choosing to walk in bitterness and anger, and eventually malice will come in. Eventually, you will begin to believe wrong things about this person beyond what they've actually done to you, and then you are in sin. God is calling us to be reconciled to one another quickly. We also distort subsequent problems that happen when we are not seeking to be current, and we are not seeking to... Speak truth to one another, and today, about what's going on today, uh, in our church in in Quenca, we've had to have, we've had to go through several uh, sad times of church discipline, and that has been difficult to discern how uh, quickly we proceed with that, because God works in people's lives in different times and according to His time and. But I think that there is this need for us to address sin quickly. If we see something in someone's life, if they've done something to offend us, I'm feeling angry. I can't just ignore that and go on. I'm opening the door for the enemy to work in my heart to cause me to be bitter and resentful towards this person. I endanger My relationship with the Lord, I endanger my relationship with others when I don't seek to resolve this quickly. Sometimes it can't be done quickly, but as much as it depends on me, I must seek to keep current, deal with this today. Another guideline, when we speak, we must attack the problem and not the person. We must attack the problem and not the person. And that is very difficult for many of us to seek to, when someone offends me or and we're seeing sin in this person's life, to not want to go and say, you are ridiculous, you're acting like a fool, blah, 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 and just tearing down the person. And maybe they are acting like a fool. Maybe they need to hear that. But our goal is not to tear down this person. Our goal is to address the issue. What is going on in their heart? What is going on in their lives that needs to be addressed? Maybe they are forgetting who they are in Christ. Maybe they are truly depressed and they cannot see a way out. But we've got to attack the problem. It's so easy to just say, it's this person. But we have to remember that they are our, our war is not against flesh and blood. We must seek to attack the problem. So he says here in verses 28 through 30, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I think verse 29 is um, somewhat difficult for us at times. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Or no unwholesome speech, as it says in other versions. No unwholesome words. I think a lot of us can sometimes think, oh, that just means we're not to use curse words. We're not to cuss. But God's definition is much broader than that. It doesn't just mean don't use these words that we find a little crude in our, in our language, in our culture. But it's don't use words that are tearing down people, that are seeking to, oh, I spoke the truth all right. I let them know exactly what I think about that. And we are tearing down the person. We are destroying the person in the process instead of focusing on the issue. We must eliminate unwholesome words. We don't focus on the person and their character. Because that is something that God will do in his time. He will uh, sanctify this person. They need to see their sin? Yes. Do they need to know everything that we may think about them and all the negative that we may see? No. That's unhelpful. These words tear down. They demolish. They do more harm than they do good. Uh, So we must use words that are intentional in building up. In verse later on in verse 29 let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear we use edifying words words that focus on the problem what is the problem perhaps it is sin perhaps it really it is sin is the issue let's address the sin let's talk about what you have believed in your heart what lies you have believed that have led you to To sin in this way and to continue sinning, let's use words that are solution oriented, with filled with grace that help people see that their hope, there is hope in Jesus for their sin, for forgiveness, for restoration, for uh, for being able to walk uh, in a way that pleases the Lord. There is hope for that. Let's use our words in a way that would point people to hope rather than to despair. We must have use words that seek others' welfare, that seek to build them up in the Lord. That's the third. And the fourth is we must act and not react. I don't know about you. I think my tendency is to react many times. When someone does something, I just want to respond. My heart is to respond in anger or frustration, or hurt, or whatever it is, and I just want to react out of that. But that's not what God tells us to do. So we are not to react. We see in verses 31 and 32 that he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. These are reactions to problems. We see that bitterness is a perpetual animosity towards someone that it leads us to harsh and unloving actions towards them. Our wrath, we see, is outbursts of anger, many times irrational in the the way that we express that. Uh, And then he goes on, clamor, slander, malice, working with ill will towards another person, wishing ill will on that person. We don't want good for them. We want bad for them. We want them to suffer because I've suffered. And uh, and that's not right. Maybe we haven't even suffered. Maybe we've seen someone else suffer. So we really want that person to, to suffer as a result. And uh, that, that is malice. And these are things that are part of our former self. Before we came to know the Lord, we must put that away. And instead, we must act. He ends this passage in verse 32 with specific things that we are to do or how we are to be. He says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Be kind, tender-hearted, compassionate, seeking good for that person, forgiving one another. We talked about forgiveness this morning. Forgiving forgiveness is difficult, but I think the very last part of what he says here is key: as God and Christ forgave you. So we remember, what was my life like before I came to know the Lord? We remember the sins. I don't know if sometimes you think back and you just, I think we all who are walking with the Lord have moments when we look back and just cringe and think, oh, that I had known the Lord before. Oh, that I had chosen to repent and believe before because I see the sins that I committed, and I see the, the great offense against a holy God. And he forgave that. He forgave me. And I think when we have a right perspective of our sin against a holy God, how much easier is it for us to forgive another sinful person like me of something that in comparison to my sin against the Lord is inconsequential. It is even the... Worst sin someone could commit against me is as nothing in comparison to my sin against the Lord. Why? Because in my sin against God, I am sinning against a holy God who has never sinned, and they are sinning against another sinner. I have also sinned. I'm not perfect. And so when I am able to rightly see my sin and the forgiveness that I've been given, I am. Much more prepared, and and it's easier for me to forgive the sin of someone else against me. So, as God and Christ forgave me, so I must forgive others. So, these are actions. I've got to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, and in all of this, this in the context of relationships. And I'm speaking truth. I'm speaking to these people with these with these intentions, with seeking their good, with seeking to point them to Jesus, to hope in him, to trust in him for their future, for their present. And and God wants us to live in that way so that we can then, as we talked about earlier, if you were here in the first hour, we talked about how our forgiveness and living in that way preaches to this lost world the transforming power of the gospel at work in a person's life. If you are here and you are a believer and you're walking with the Lord, you've trusted in Christ, God has called you to be holy, to be set aside, to be distinct from the world. And this includes how you respond to others, how you seek to help your brother who is in sin or your brother who is hurting, your brother who is struggling in some way, maybe your children in your home, maybe your spouse, that you. Seek their good. You begin to live on mission in the most intimate places, all the way to the people who I come across, maybe at the grocery store that I don't know. And I start to live with this intentionality of pointing people to Jesus. Those who are following Jesus, I point them to the truth of Jesus. Those who don't follow Jesus, I'm pointing them to the truth of Jesus. And I begin to live my life in that all-encompassing way, with this all-encompassing mission of pointing them to the truth. I'm speaking truth. I'm living truth before them. If you are here today and you are not a believer, you have not trusted in Christ for forgiveness of your sins, I would plead with you that you consider your sin before God and that you might repent of that sin and that you would place your faith in Jesus, who died on the cross to save sinners, bearing the wrath of God reserved for our sin. He will forgive you if you come to him in faith. He says, those who come to me, I will in no way cast out. We can come, we can come to him in faith, and know that he will cleanse us, From all unrighteousness, he will forgive us of our sins and make us new. And we can then join in this living in a way that we speak truth and we live truth. We speak truth to ourselves. We speak truth to one another. And so we seek to glorify the name of Jesus among one another and before the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again. We thank you for your word. We thank you that though we don't always obey, that your spirit is at work within us to bring about conviction, that your word is here to show us truth. Father, we thank you that your spirit helps us to live in a way before you that can glorify Christ and can seek the good of our brothers and sisters around us. It's difficult. Father, we are sinful. We very often react instead of act. We very often are dishonest or we speak the truth harshly. Father, help us to not believe lies of the enemy. Help us to believe the truth of your word. Help us to live in obedience to the principles found in your word for how we are to live among one another. And all of this for the glory of Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.